Welcome to today's family experience, helping families connect in a world that is pulling families apart. My name is Chuck Higley. I'm your host and also um, lead the team here at Project Patch, the family experience, and write for um, our blog and, and I guess what you're listening to right now, today's family experience. You know, I love that, that idea of family experiences. It's so easy for us to talk and, and um, think about how verbal <laughs> so many times we are as parents, but what our kids take away from us are, are the experiences that we've had. You know, those things that really make us feel closer, those things that, that maybe the embarrassing, funny things that have happened. You know, you look back and, and if you look back at your childhood, the things that we talk about are those, those great things that happened as, as families. Rarely the things that were told to us, but, but most often those, those great experiences. And I hope you've had some. Um, you know, I've had a great January just getting over that and just happy to be, be surviving into February. It's been busy. Um, was in Tucson twice, was in Longview, Texas, had a great time there with the Heartlight group, um, two day seminar at my home church here in Vancouver, as well as a breakout at the family focus forum. And so it was a busy, busy month, lost my voice a couple times, but I have it back and, and great to be with you guys. Um, you know, I love these intense moments of connecting with, with people, with, with parents, especially, um, I can spend time at a seminar doing a lot of teaching, but I love the, the breaks that we have. I like the times following the, the presentations where people really um, get down and, and share their hearts and, and struggles that they have as parents. And it's hard. Um, I know as a parent that there's times that I just need another person to talk to. And so it's been a, a help for me to talk to people. And it's always great when people take some time and, and visit with me and, and share what's on their heart. You know, I've noticed a theme of a couple things coming up over and over lately. So I thought we'd just spend our time today. Um, no interview today, just just me. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to spend some time just kind of diving into a topic. And I hope it's I hope it's helpful for you. It's something that keeps coming up as I talk with parents. And really, the, the question that they ask is, what's going on with my kid? You know, what's what's happening? Um, the struggle that, that I think we have as parents is that something's going on with our kid, and we're just trying to understand what it is. Um, you know, they seemed fine when they went off to school. And when they got back, they're just in a a really different mood. Um, week to week, day to day, hour to hour, you know, there's something going on. There's times that, um, something that was simple just a week before I'm getting a chore done a responsibility now just is, is becoming a major battle point. There's times that, um, maybe there's just a typical family schedule thing that you enjoy doing a way that you spend your time. And suddenly your, your kid's pushing back against that. Um, they're dropping something out of their life that they've really enjoyed in the past. Um, we've seen that with kids in sports um, where they've had a lot of fun playing soccer and now they just don't want to play or they want to quit swim team. Um, or maybe, you know, you, you just notice that uh, they don't mention a friend that they used to play with or hang out with. Um, you just don't, don't hear about that, that kid being in their life anymore. So as a parent, there's times that, that what's going on, you know, is there, is there something going on? Is it serious? Um, you, you either see a, a sadness in your kid or an anger or maybe a giving up and losing some hope. Um, and then there's other times that, that you see the report card come out and it's like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, those grades, you know, they could do better. They should be doing better. And you just kind of wonder, wonder what's happening. Or, you know, there's times that, that you hear from a teacher and, and they'll ask that, that question. You know, is there, is there something going on? Because... Um, Maybe they see your kid as less engaged or maybe hanging out with people that they wouldn't want in the past. And so people come, come and ask me that question. It's like, how do I know, how do I know what's going on? 
Um, and especially this, this last week, I, I had a chance to teach um, a, a session um, at the Family Focus Forum in, entitled Motivating My Unmotivated Kid. You know, really looking at these kids that are highly capable, uh, but not turning in the work. How is it that we can really um, figure out what's going on with, with my kid when they're showing signs of, of lack of motivation or when there's something going on? You know, I, parents also, you know, often go through a list. You know, is my kid in rebellion? You know, am I dealing with, with rebellion or maybe am I dealing with immaturity? You know, I can think of times that, you know, I've wondered what was my kid thinking? You know, what are they thinking right now? Um, especially when they seem to be um, struggling with something that was, was pretty basic or, or easy a week ago. You know, are there some things going on at school that I need to know about that I don't know about? Um, what are they doing online? You know, when their heads are down, when they're um, texting rapidly, um, when they're shutting off the screens, when we get close, you know, what are they doing online is, is what, what we want to know. Um, you know, and then what, what do we do when, when um, maybe they're just, it's hard to put it into words, but I've had parents, um, especially around our pornography um, teaching that, that I do say, you know, my son's not interested in that sort of thing. Is he? You know, almost coming back as a question of um, that, that somehow I'd know if, my, if, if their son was interested in that. And, you know, parents are, are dying to know what's going on in their kids' minds. And especially as kids get older, we start hearing less and less. Um, you know, I'm, I've got some young kids at home. And, and um, at least for my son, I have a pretty good idea what he's thinking because he's, you know, very open about talking with it. But I noticed that, it, you know, as my kids are getting older, that it's requiring me to draw draw it out of them a little bit more. You know, and I think it's interesting too, as parents, we tend to go to extremes. Um, we see it in the application process here um, for getting kids into our boys and girls program at Project Patch, is that there's some parents that are really worst case driven. Um, you know, they represent everything that their kid is doing with exclamation points and, and fear. And so um, we ask a question about fire starting and there's parents that, yeah, my kid's a fire starter. And you delve into that a little bit more and you discover that, um, you know, what maybe happened was that there was some sort of event with candles on the table and they, you know, played with the candle for a little bit. You know, I wouldn't describe that as a fire starter, um, you know, just because they have matches doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're at risk. You know, at the same time, there's other parents that are kings at underreporting. Um, you know, they'll take some of their kids extreme, especially some of the deviant behavior and just kind of normalize it. You know, and, and say stuff like, all kids do that. Um, <laughs> and my response is, um, um, no, they don't. <laughs> you know, especially when it comes to some of the, the really deviant stuff is that, is that there are lines that get crossed. You know, and so it's hard for a parent to, to report that. You know what I really appreciated if you listened to, to an earlier episode of, with interview with Daniel Harkavy is that reminder that um, our kids aren't our scorecard, our report card. And that's important to know because, you know, there's sometimes that, you know, we may be, be you know, underreporting problems just because we feel like it might, might look bad on us. And so, you know, as parents, we, we go to extremes. We worst case, especially when we don't know what's going on with our kids. Well, maybe they're doing this, maybe they're doing that. And, and so we, we worry, maybe sometimes unnecessarily, or sometimes we see little signs and we just start, start overreacting and, and get fearful. You know, in other cases, the signs our kids are sending all sorts of I need help signs to us. You know, they're, they're revealing as much as they can, maybe sometimes without overtly asking for help. And as parents, we're missing those signs because, because we're just not asking the right questions. 
you know, so our challenge as parents is how do we know what's going on? You know, do we know if it's something serious? Do we know, um, do we know what to do? Um, you know, the other struggle that I think we have as parents is that, um, it's rare that a problem presents itself, um, in a, in a real straightforward manner. Let me give an example for a mom that I was talking to a while back, um, single mom, uh, raising, a little guy that's on the autism spectrum disorder. And so this little guy has some struggles with, with mood regulation. He has some struggles with, um, sensory and, um, and he's a little guy. And so, and, and she's um, raising him without, um, necessarily having another voice to say, all boys do that sort of thing. You know, so when his, her son, um, does something crazy, like runs around the house in his underpants, um, she's not sure. Is it autism? Is it, um, little boy or is it, you know, some sort of rebellion that he's going through? What is this something to be scared of, worried about? Is this normal? You know? And so, so many different aspects are, are coming at her. And so, how is it that as a parent, we can determine, you know, is this something serious? Do I need to look into it? How, what steps do I need to take? And so as a parent, you know, if you've got a teenage kid, you've got hormones going on, um, that is causing some, some challenges. You've got things like personality differences. Um, you've got, um, friendship, you've got um, school schedules, you have stress from that. You have some family dynamics. So with all of these things going on, it's hard to say, oh, it's just that. You know, it's this, it's this one thing that's going on. Most likely, um, it's a combination of a bunch of stuff. You know, so as we spend some time together, I just want to kind of get these thoughts in our mind is that as our parents, um, as we are parents, our goal is to really serve our kids. Our goal is to understand what's going on. And, and in a way, our, our goal um, is to cut through that noise um, and respond to our kids in a way that, that they really need. You know, so as we're trying to figure out what's going on in our teen, sometimes it may appear to us like rebellion. If you remember our very first podcast that we did with Emerson Egrich, um, you know, he said that's one of the key things as parents that we need to determine. You know, as our kid is acting out, is this rebellion or is it just immaturity? Um, treating everything as rebellion really sets us up at an at a antagonistic um, relationship with our kids. And it really sets us up for the fact of um, we respond differently with them. You know, if I, I think my kid is in rebellion, <laughs> rebellion's a great word, isn't it? Kind of intense. But if, if I think my kid is, is really rebelling and trying to um, exert some power or trying to break down certain aspects of our family, I'm going to respond probably harsher than when I think, you know, this is just a kid being, being a kid. You know, this is some immaturity showing up in their life. This is some um, confusion showing up in their life. And so sometimes I come at it a little too intense. And so, you know, understanding is this disrespect? Is it rebellion? Is it um, immaturity? Is it risky behavior? Is this typical um, teen behavior? You know, is this self-harming behavior? Or is it just um, klutzy behavior? Is this, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, or in the sense of, of motivation, is this a lack of motivation or is it a lack of skill set? And so really, as we start asking some of these questions, I really want to start with the basics of let's rule some stuff out. Let's make sure that before we get too deep into the figuring what's what's going on, that we we push away some of the some of the noise and really get down to the the basics. And so, you know, one of the the tools that I, that I've heard a couple times, and I have a great resource for you in the show notes where you can find it. Um, and and you'll probably find quite a few places if you Google it. But it's this acronym of of let's start by doing a halt. 
And by HALT, it's an acronym that says, you know, are we hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? If you look at some of the addiction literature, um, literature, that sounds fancy. If you read anything about addiction, you'll find out that, that there's triggers. Um, these triggers are, are things that are really basic life, life needs. Um, some core things that go on inside of us that impact our behavior. And so, you know, it's pretty easy. Hunger, um, I love food. And so um, I'm one of those people that if I haven't eaten much, I tend to get, get irritable. I tend to, to get really fixated on food. And so food is, is pretty simple. I mean, I think most of us, you know, at least have one person in life that you can tell when their blood sugar gets low. And, you know, their attitude, everything starts, starts going down. Their moodiness, irritability, um, everything goes with, with food. And there's some people that, that you can tell um, if they eat the wrong kinds of food, um, they end up increasing in some of the negative things. And so there's certain kids that are, are maybe a little more susceptible to certain um, food dyes and some of those kind of things that, that increase their irritability. And so food is, is a big deal. You know, am I hungry? Um, and what am I eating? You know, how is it affecting me? And so, you know, most of us can, can do a pretty quick, quick survey of our kids and say, are they hungry? But the, the thing that I found interesting is that um, hunger doesn't necessarily just have to be for food. Um, there's been a couple people that have talked recently about observations that they've seen their kids do with their cell phones. Um, I don't remember the exact context of it, but there was a mom that was sharing that her um, little baby, maybe two or three years old, had pestered her for the cell phone, and she had finally handed the cell phone to the kid, and the kid um, tried to hide it. You know, the kid didn't want to play with it. The kid wanted um, that that device that was taking mom's attention to go away. Pretty powerful example, isn't it? You know, this idea that, that our kids are hungry for, for our attention. You know, and there's certain kids that will actually um, do some really negative things just to get, to get their parents' attention. Um, they've learned that maybe they can't get it in the ways that that would be typical. And so they learn making some noise, making the parents uncomfortable. Um, all those things will, will get their parents to notice them. And, and frustrated attention is, is better than no attention. And so that's, that's how certain kids operate. And so, you know, think about it from that side, you know, are they hunger? Are they hungry for attention? Um, are they hungering for a certain level of comfort? Um, stimulation. We've, uh, one of our, our, um, kids, um, really needs a, a fairly high, high level of, of physical stimulation, you know, in the sense that he needs to move, he needs to spin. Um, and so, you know, that, that aspect is, is really important. And so there's certain kids that, you know, after a couple hours of, of sitting, or they just can't do it anymore, you know, and so they're going to start doing things that, that um, maybe are disruptive. And so think about that, you know, is your kid needing a little more stimulation in their life? Um, you know, letting them run, get, letting them get up and, and move. And so hunger, you know, is the first one of the halt. Um, the second one is anger. You know, and, and I'll just say it out um, from the basics here is that anger is not bad. Um, we try to make, um, in a sense, and, and I'm putting myself dead in the center of this, is that anger is uncomfortable. You know, especially when, when um, someone else is angry at us or, or at, when their emotions are high. And so it's really easy for us to try to get back to, to happy, or at least let's get back to, to not angry. And a lot of times in that 
push to just kind of make everything fine, we miss the underlying message or the power that that, that anger has. There are certain things that should make us angry. Um, our kids should be angry throughout the day if their eyes are open to the, to the world around them. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things that if we're not careful, we can either, you know, kind of push away anger or even more, more so as a danger is, is we can miss the lessons on how to process anger, you know, not just stuff it, but, you know, stuffing is what a lot of kids get used to. But what we're saying is to actually process it, harness it, um, direct it in the, in the right productive, productive way. And so productive anger does that. Unproductive anger um, harms others, harms self, um, has a sense of catharsis in the sense that it, it feels good to let it out um, on the short term, but it, it doesn't have a, a positive long term. So anger isn't bad. You know? And so just because someone is, is feeling angry doesn't mean it's bad. What makes it bad is when it's redirected, when it's directed in a way that's, that's causing some harm. And so you know, if your kid is feeling angry... Um, and that's a real helpless anger, or it's a burning anger in which they're they're lashing out to people around them. You know, it's good to know that. It's it's good to know that. And so, pr- being able to process that. You know, first of all, we're saying, are they hungry? Second, are they angry? You know, what's making them angry? And being able to help put some words around that. And I think that's that's a real gift for our kids because a lot of kids have, especially the ones we deal with with Project Patch in our in our emotion regulation program, is that. Wow, that sounds fancy, doesn't it? I didn't even use the real word for it, dialectical behavior um, therapy, DBT. But um, they just don't have a language for, for emotions. They're used to being angry, but maybe, um, maybe they're not angry. Maybe they're, they're actually embarrassed. Maybe they're feeling um, confused. Maybe they're feeling um, rejected. Um, you know, there's a lot of words around that. So as a parent, you know, helping them understand... Um, or helping know that what exactly are they going through? You know, are they feeling vulnerable right now? Are they feeling exposed? Are they feeling a need to um, get some more control in the situation? What's what's going on? So we've got um, hungry. We've got anger. Um, next one is lonely. The L in halt. Um, and so lonely is just you know saying not just are they having a hunger for compassion, but are they having difficulty reaching out or connecting um, in a way that would satisfy that. And so lonely is really um, could happen when you're a group of people and you just don't feel connected. Um, lonely can happen when you're on social media and you see um, the world around you and you don't know how to get um, to that point of connection. I long, I have a longing to be connected, but I feel, I feel so far away. Um, loneliness is one of those things that, that when you see it in someone else, it's like, why don't you just pick up the phone? Why don't you just call someone? It's easy to, um, why don't you? into that situation but if you think about the last time you were lonely you know at that point you're just longing you know couldn't someone call me or wouldn't someone notice me and it's really kind of a helpless um state that 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 we get into when we're lonely and so just recognizing that you know my kid might at this point of their life really be feeling disconnected feeling a longing to be connected but feeling like there's no there's no path to do that and so, you know, loneliness does re- result in, in some really um, poor choices, um, reaching out for some really um, short-term fixes and, and different things like that. And so, you know, just a challenge to say, you know, what is my kid going through? And that's a time for parents to maybe take an extra step because, um, especially for teens, it's hard for them to reach out and say, I'm lonely, you know. Um, and so maybe planning an activity, maybe doing something that um, would 
put your child maybe a little bit more in touch with, with other kids. Um, real good plus of some of the extracurricular activities is that they find, find some community around that, um, getting them involved with youth group and, and different things. So we've got um, hungry, anger, lonely, and the last one from Halt is tired. What we know is that, that teens nowadays and, and even younger kids are, are really um, suffering with sleep issues. Kids are struggling to, to fall asleep, stay asleep, um, get enough sleep. A lot of kids lack the, the sleep hygiene, and a lot of um, teens are having interrupted sleep. And so especially for um, kids that have phones, um, texting going on late into the night, um, screen time leading directly up to bedtime, you know, some of those things, those kids aren't getting the, the types of sleep they need. Um, if you've attended any of our, our teaching that we do on, on video game addiction, you know that sleep um, plays a big, big part of that. You know, so these kids are feeling tired, and tired results in all sorts of irritability. Um, I know it does for me. Um, I have to work really, really hard when I'm feeling tired to, to not take it out on the people around me. You know, the other thing that, that I think kids are facing nowadays is that there isn't a whole lot of buffer in their lives in the sense that um, they're moving from one thing to another, to another, to another. And so there aren't the downtimes. Um, and so what that would look like is that imagine if your day went from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting to another meeting and, and you just don't have any, any time to yourself, any time to collect yourself, any time to reflect. And you're feeling constantly like you're running behind and your list is getting longer. And that just brings a sense of exhaustion and powerlessness to our schedule. And so really do think about, you know, how do we help our kids um, design their time, manage their time, um, build in some buffer into their schedule so that um, they don't go directly from school um, to home with a task at home, and maybe they have a little bit of time to to decompress before they move to the next activity. And, and before they do sports, they've got a chance to to do a little more decompressing or, or choir practice or youth group or whatever it is. Um, just building in some of that buffer really helps our kids, kids do better. And so, you know, as we, as we look at all this stuff, you know, you've got the halt and the purpose of the halt is really just to ask that, that question is, you know, is there something, um, something really basic that, that we can deal with as a parent, you know, that, that we can, that we can deal with um, rather than assuming that this, this child is, um, you know, maybe having psychiatric meltdown or maybe that they're, that they, you know, are, are in rebellion or whatever. It's just saying, you know, are they hungry? Are they, you know, angry? What, what's going on? Can we, can we process that? And really going through these issues is that once we, we go through these things and identify what it is, um, helping our kids get to the point that they can identify it in themselves and solve it, especially as they get older. Um, you know, it'll become their, their responsibility as they get older to recognize, you know, my blood sugar is low or I haven't had enough sleep. Um, and I'm planning my day a little too tight, you know, those sorts of things so that they learn to self-manage it. But, you know, as a parent, especially as they're younger, it's our job to teach, teach them some of that self-awareness. So, you know, teaching recently about motivation, um, like I said earlier, I was teaching parents about motivating capable and you notice that word capable, um, but unmotivated kids. These are the kids that do the homework sometimes, but don't even turn it in. Um, and it's really hard for them to, well, I wouldn't say it's, it's hard on the parents to, to see their kid continue to struggle, especially when they're, when they're capable. 
you know, some of the questions that, that we went through at that, with that time together as, as parents is, you know, do our kids have the time? You know, physically, is it possible for them to get the level of homework done at a level that they'd feel good about um, given the amount of time that they have in the day? And a lot of kids are overscheduled nowadays. Um, or they, they really struggle with some of their tr- time um, prioritizations or with the level of interruption in their time. And so do they have the level of, of uninterrupted time to be able to get it done? You know, do they have the skills in setting priorities? Um, you know, from a, a writing paper skills, do they have the skill set in, in organizing and in setting, setting the details? And actually, um, I don't know about you, but I've gotten to points, even with this blog, is that there's a technical skill I need to get it done. <laughs> and so... Um, rather than getting done what I can do, I just kind of um, procrastinate the whole thing. And so, you know, understanding is there some skill that's that's causing procrastination? Do they have the tools? You know, that's another question to ask. Do they have, um, you know, is it is it um, study tools as in computers and, and some of those kind of things? But more than that, sometimes it's, you know, do they have the tools to turn off that stuff? You know, a good um, application that I use personally is called Freedom. Um, I'll put that into our show notes, but Freedom is a, um, it's an app that runs, I have it on um, my phones, I have it on my computer, all my computers, and, and it's something that I can um, shut off certain things so I can hyper-concentrate. And so it'll turn off all the social media, it can turn off online stuff um, for a certain amount of time. And I, I really love that Freedom just because um, I need that, that tool to, to kind of quiet stuff down. And then really the question is, do they have the perspective? You know, do they know why I'm doing this? And um, most of us would have a hard time working and getting the job done if we didn't have a bigger perspective of, of how it impacts um, something. And so as I share this, some of you guys are rolling your eyes saying, um, <laughs> Chuck, you're just raising little butterflies that are fragile kids um, who have every excuse for their behavior problems and, and parents that are taking way too much responsibility. Kids should just be... Um, not fragilized. They just need to take care of business. And, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. You know, there's, there's, um, there's so many times I've, I've seen it and I've seen it in myself where, where our kids are struggling and, and, you know, rather than just dealing with the, with the behavior and the attitudes we end up, um, you know, just trying to give a snack and just trying to calm them down or whatever. And so I get that thing. But, but the big point that I want to say is that, you know, this isn't about fragilizing kids. This is about, um, you know, doing a little bit of legwork so that we, we don't assume ill intent from our kids, you know, so that we don't come into this, um, attaching all sorts of things onto them, but we come into this relationship, um, giving them a benefit of the doubt and, equipping them to, to handle their needs like I talked about earlier. You know, as our kids age, yeah, they're going to get more and more responsibility. They're going to have to take care of their physicality a lot more, and they have to handle their emotions in a more mature way. But unless we walk them through this as teacher, coach, mentor, and a combination of teaching, coaching, mentoring over and over and over again, um, our kids won't have um, the skill set to do it. You know, and, and there's some other episodes we've done that I think will, will really um, shed light on this. If you are interested there's i'll put it in the show notes but we did an earlier interview with john miller um, of qbq qbq is a um, accountability framework question before the question um really great stuff qbq parenting he's got a brand new resource out so i'll put in a resource for that he just redid the parenting 
um, aspect. Um, it's amazing. Really, really good stuff. And hopefully we'll have John on again. And, you know, really with our Boys and Girls program, the big thing that we try to do through that program, especially through the application, is determining, will this child benefit from therapy? Um, let me give you an example of um, that there's times that, that we miss some really basic things and overcomplicate it. So um, former board chairman of Patch was sharing a, a story with me about um, a child that was brought to him. I think it was ADHD-related um, or hyperactivity, one of those, probably both of those. And this kid was acting up in the classroom, um, really struggling in the classroom, not not doing well interrupting class. Um, <laughs> you can picture it. Some of you might have been that kid. And kid came into his, his clinic. Um, he's a pediatrician also. And so as, as he was seeing that kid, he just asked really quickly about the um, vision. Um, and they did the, the quick little vision test in the hallway, you know, with the, with the letters and, and the um, spoon-like thing over the eye. And they discovered that this kid's vision was really bad. And ironically, that kid had missed all the vision tests at school. And um, they did some, some basics, and he said, you know, I really want to see this kid after they've had um, a, a chance to, to see an ophthalmologist and, and get vision corrected and get back into school. And ironically, it was glasses that fixed that kid. Uh, once that kid had glasses, they could engage in the classroom, um, see what was going on, and behavior changed. Um, I wouldn't say overnight, but behavior changed dramatically to the point that that kid didn't have need to see this this behavioral pediatrician anymore. So pretty big deal, isn't it? You know, that could you imagine that poor kid to have um, the level of therapy and, and scrutiny and possibly even medication um, to correct something that was actually more of a, a biological um, medical problem, you know, something that, that was easily corrected as vision. And so that's the kind of thing that we want to make sure as we're treating kids at Patch is that how do we make sure that that you know, what we're treating for is, is behavioral and it's not, it's not something else. And so I want to walk you through, you've got the tools of HALT, um, but I just want to walk you through some basics um, of some of the things that we look for. You know, one of the best tools um, is for a parent to be able to share their concern with a child. Um, you see some behavior and you want to share that concern with them. And I want to give you a quick little tool. We've talked about it before, but there's a key phrase that that I'd like you to to really put into practice and that phrase is it seems like it seems like and so this is what it might sound like is you know it seems like and then you put in whatever you know so it seems like you're um, it seems like you're not that interested in in completing the fourth grade or it seems like you're not as interested in in being with with your um, friends as, as you used to be. It seems like you're um, wanting to disengage from our family. You know, it seems like you're, you're really frustrated by, by um, your sister. It seems like when I ask you to do something that it's, it's really um, annoying to you. And so you notice that that, that it seems like is, is really a key way for us to, to just make an um, observation rather than a statement or a judgment. You know, our impulse is to say, you aren't, you know, you're doing, but it seems like is, is, is a way to phrase that in a way that kids tend to um, connect with, with better. 
you know, they'll, they'll take it as an observation or as a point of view rather than a, as, a, as a point of judgment. And so add, adding this phrase like, you know, it seems like, and then you, you give the description of what you're seeing, and then to be able to say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. You know, and that, that is, is just kind of a, a statement that shows um, that you're, you're watching and that you're for them. You know, it's just a fact, and sometimes I think as, as parents we want to go on and on and on about why we're concerned. You know, I don't think that's necessary, especially because it, it ends up um, being something that our kids rebuff or that they overfocus on. You know, you're not, you're not um, spending time with, with some of the friends that, that you've had for years, you know, that, that are important to you. You know, and, and I'm concerned about that. If we go on to say, I'm concerned because, and then we explain it, then our kids get focused on that rather than our, their observation. You know, and then the other thing is that asking permission, you know, is there a good time for you and, and I to talk about this? Is there a good time? Can we talk about it this, this Saturday? You know, can we go out and, um, you know, go out for coffee and, and talk about it? Those kind of permission-based um, requests to, to talk is, is really powerful just because it, it kind of opens up our kids to, um, it opens up a little more control for them, less like they're on, they're on their heels. And, and I've seen kids respond really well for that. So, you know, number one, um, we, want to, we want to be able to share our concern. And the key phrase from that is, is it seems like. You know, the second thing is, is that we want to actually go from concern to really trying to get some clarity. Um, and really, clarity is, is all around the idea of goals. You know, what do you want? And, you know, being able to say, I want that for you too. You know, and so understanding what our kids' goals are. Um, you know, are they wanting more independence? Are they wanting more trust? Are they wanting more fairness? Um, are they wanting more freedom? Are they wanting um, a number of things? I mean, you can put them all in there, but what is it? What is it that they want? And really for us as parents to be able to connect with them and say, you know, I, I get it. You know, I get, I get what you want. I'd really like, like for that too, for, for you. And I, you know, most of the time that, that I've had kids share their goals, I don't think I've um, had a situation where, it's, where there's a real difference between parent and, and kid. Um, you know, kids wanting independence, you know, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. More decision-making, uh, more trust, more autonomy. Um, you know, all those things are, are things that, that we know our kids need. And so just being able to, to get to the point that you're saying, yeah, that makes sense. And the other thing is, is really trying to figure out what, mo- what goals are motivating our kids. Um, and really more internal goals um, than external. Um, external goals would be, you know, like money or, or status or, or something like that. And what we're saying is, you know, what is the internal drive for this? You know, what would it feel like? What would it be like to, to attain it? And so really getting to that point of, of not just understanding, um, you know, that they have, that there's a concern, but, but understanding the clarity, what are they shooting for? You know, moving on is, is what gaps are there. Now that you know their goals, you know, they, they want more trust or they want more freedom. Now um, you can really get into to maybe that discussion of saying, you know, you're saying you want more independence, but I'm seeing that you're actually... Um, 
the way you're acting makes it seem like like maybe you're wanting more direction or you're unsure of of how to decide stuff and wanting me to make more decisions. You know, that sort of observations is really important. You're saying you wanted to add another sport to your schedule, but I'm noticing that you're struggling to keep up with your current load. You know, so we're showing the gap between what they long for and what what's in front of us. You know, I would know you want to go with your friend to college um, at that college. <laughs> uh, but right now I'm seeing grades that are telling me that you're not necessarily committed to pulling off that plan. So you're seeing that there's, there's a gap and that gap is a, is a really helpful thing to see because a lot of times our kids live in a world in which, um, there's magic, magical thinking going on, um, that they believe they're the exception to the rules. And so being able to establish that gap, um, being able to talk about it, not in a shaming way, not in a, a gotcha, um, sort of way, but it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's a tool for us to use. And so once you have that gap, you know, really just saying, you know, what's your plan to, to bridge that? You know, if your friend's going off to that college and you want to be with her, then what's your plan um, with your grades to, to get there? You know, and, and there's some great questions around that. I'll have a resource for the, that I use um, for the motivated teens, ones that, that goes through a whole list of questions. Um, what's your plan? When is it too late for you to, to issue that plan? You know, how will you know if that plan's not working? You know, some of those sorts of questions are really important. And then really just helping them get to a point that their plan is, is a smart plan. You know, so um, I'll give details. We don't have time for all those, but, but it really has to do with, with making sure, and that's an acronym. Um, so um, it just really helps you, um, how would you describe it? It really helps you form some skin around the goals. And then really help them calendarize those. Is it, how can you break it down into a calendar um, to make sure that it's happening? Um, how can we make it? So, you know, if, if we're really wanting our team to be more, more family-oriented, what does that look like? What would satisfy us for that? Um, and then really include some celebrations in that plan also is that, you know, as this plan gets working, as it's having its positive effects, um, how do we really celebrate it? So I hope that's helpful. You know, the good news is that this sort of process, uh, by the time we're done with it, will really help us um, circle back to it. Um, so... Typically, our kids don't have a problem with all of those areas. Um, sometimes they just lack awareness. And so once you bring awareness, um, they'll, make, they'll take the steps to um, bridge that gap and, and change their behavior. So if, if you just bring a concern with them, it seems like they'll, they'll make it happen. Um, sometimes our kids, you know, they know what's going on, um, but maybe they don't have clarity around their goals. Maybe they just don't, don't understand, you know, the bigger perspective of why this matters or or how it's affecting them in their future. And so having some clarity around that, um, you know, there's times that our, that our kids, maybe it could be that they know these things, but they just aren't exposed to their gap. They don't see, they don't have the self-awareness to see that, that maybe they're missing something or they're missing some skills or maybe they're just overwhelmed. You know, and the finally is that sometimes uh, they might have all these things, but they just don't have a plan in place or the plan that they do have um, has some gaps in it. So, you know, Regardless of what it is, as a parent, it's, it's kind of helpful for us to know that, hey, let's, let's pop into these areas and, and really do what we can do to help our kids build their skills around it. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, how do we know what's going on with our kids is that um, we've been able to ask. You know, we've, we've created conversation. We've created some observations. Um, we put it onto the table instead of just wondering and, and we've shown some concern, we've shown some respect through the process, and really a desire to get to something. You know, it's not just a concern. You know, I'm not just concerned that you're 
pulling away from your friends. You know, I'm looking for, for you to be connected. I'm looking for you to find a place of belonging. You know, so we've connected on goals and we've connected on ways to attain those and, and we've really d- drawn up a plan, plan to reach it. So I hope that's helpful for you. Um, there's a lot more that we could talk and, and say about it. And, and so it's a good thing that this isn't a one and done, done podcast. But I'd love to keep the conversation going with you. If you have some ideas on things that have worked in your family, things that you've seen um, really spark with, with kids and, and help them out, I'd love to hear it so we can get the, the word shared. Um, you can just email those to me at chuck at projectpatch.org. Once again, chuck at projectpatch.org. And I'd love to hear your, your ideas. So as we wrap up today, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, speaking schedule for the spring is just heating up again. Um, luckily, I have the month of February fairly quiet. And then March in 3 and 4, um, we'll be at the Refresh Conference at Overlake Church in Seattle. Um, it's a great foster and adopt conference. Um, yeah, just amazing. So if you're involved with, with foster care or adoption in, in any form as a parent, grandparent, um, sibling, um, we'd love to see you there. Um, I get the chance to lead um, a session on, um, in a sense, the, the media and, and um, how would you describe it? In a sense of, of raising tech-safe kids, especially for kids that might have seen it all, done it all before they came into our homes. And so a session on that. I have a session on siblings that I'm doing for a breakout, as well as a session that, that um, I'll be doing with a, with, a, um, with a colleague from Envoy Group about... Um, in a sense of how do you know as a parent when it's time to, to get resources outside of your house? You know, it's more than just maybe community-based resources. How do I know when residential care might be the right answer? And so looking forward to being a part of that. Uh, March 11, I'll be with the students from Clackamas um, Community College and their business division. They're doing a um, kind of awareness benefit event for Project Patch. Um, neat group of students there called the Youth Awareness Partners. Um, they created this little group. Um, that's going to be doing something neat. So March 11 on the afternoon there at Clackamas Community College campus um, will be a chance to to connect and and um, share more. And so look onto our website for that. Uh, March 23 and 25 we'll be at the Northwest Ministry Conference once again at Overlake Church in Redmond. Um, we've got a couple events that are near schedule for Dallas, Texas, and Everett, Washington. And so. Um, think those will both be in March. <laughs> will be a busy month. Um, look forward to our, our first family experience of the year that's open to the public, which will be April 27 through 30. So that's a Thursday through Sunday. And so that's a great event for your families to get connected. And then um, right now, May 5 through 6, I'll be at North Cascades um, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so lots of events. Look for our event calendar. It's under about us at projectpatch.org. Um, or you can go to Project Patch forward slash seminars and see um, all the details of, of the speaking. And, and if you're interested in our family experience, um, all the registration, all that information is available at, at thefamilyexperience.org or just click on Project Patch and go to the, the family program. So I think that's it. It's been great spending time with you. I appreciate you dealing with um, me after a tiring month of, of a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I do hope that as you go out there, that you're going to really enjoy um, connecting with your families, that you're going to feel the power that you can have as a parent in changing the life of your kid. So now go out there, connect with your family. We'd love to help.